So, it was just an ordinary, loud day. No, <laughs> it was just an ordinary day, or so I thought. You see, I was visiting at one of our ALFs, an assisted living facility, which I do quite a bit of in my job here at Hyde Park as the pastor for congregational care. And I was going to see one of our church members who had recently fallen and was in rehab. Her name is Charlotte, and she is well in her 90s. She would be fine with my saying that. Proud of it. And as I was waiting at the front desk, I noticed another one of our church members named Mary, who is significantly older than Charlotte. And Mary's coming out of her book club. And I thought, wow. She's on a little side note. I hope I'm as engaged with the world as Mary is when I'm her age, or if I get to be that age. So anyway, I said to Mary, by any chance, do you know Charlotte? She's here in the rehab. And she said, Charlotte, we have been friends for so many years. So I said, well, I'm going to go visit her. Would you like to join me? And she said, yes. It took us a while to get down the hall, get to the right room. We knocked on the door. Charlotte invited us in. Clearly, on her flat on her back, a bit uncomfortable, a little scared still, as this was still a new place for her. But when she saw me, a familiar face from her church family, it was a nice bit of assurance that she was not alone. And then when I reintroduced her to Mary, it just took a moment to get reoriented, but then the conversation flowed. Do you remember how I used to take you to go visit your husband when he was in that other nursing home? Oh, Charlotte, I've lived here for seven years. I love being here. And then it was a little hard for Mary to stand any longer, so we put her in a wheelchair and we scooted her up right close to Charlotte such that Charlotte could lay from that horizontal position then reach out and hold Mary's hand. And she, in this perfect moment of sacred quiet, said, I have loved you forever. It was as if Jesus himself was saying that to those two women. It was like all the stories of their lives were captured together in that one moment, and there was a sense of profound joy. Today is the last Sunday of Advent. It is the last breath before the bells of Christmas come rolling in. And today our theme is joy. Would you pray with me? A loving, gracious God, we pray that your gentle spirit would come into our lives, fill our very beings. Let us exhale any fear and anxiety that we might carry with us this day. Help us to be in this moment and allowing your present word, your present light, your present love to touch us. We pray in your name. Amen. So just like my meeting with Mary and Charlotte, today's text is a meeting of two women, two moms, two very pregnant moms. The fact that either of them was expecting, well, let's just go on record to say it was unexpected, right? I mean, one was old, one was young. 
One was two-thirds of the way through their pregnancy, the other newly pregnant. And in their stories, we see how God was at work in the very small details of their very ordinary lives. The meeting of the moms is called the visitation. Here's one image of it. The visitation. Um, nope, the picture. Okay, there it is. I love with joy. We can't be casual observers to joy. We have to get in on the action. We want sometimes just to get up and dance. When joy starts bubbling out from us, we've got to move. Around our house, we used to have it. We don't do it because now just Clark and I are there and he might think I'm crazy if I do this, but we used to have what we called the happy dance. And I mean, sometimes, you know, you just got to move when it is really good. We're having lasagna for dinner. Oh yeah. Whatever it is, the happy dance, that was a good thing. And joy happens in that when we, when we feel it, we want to move, we want to be excited, but it also happens in those moments when we have a deep connection 
with another human being and we realize something new about ourselves or about that person or about God. That's also a joy-filled moment. I think many of us, maybe most of us, need to keep learning more about joy because I think it is at the very heart of God's intention for humanity. God is the ultimate joy giver. In fact, there was a theologian in the 1940s called G.K. Chesterton, and he used to write a lot about the characteristic of joy in the heart of God. And he would say that Jesus came as the joy bringer. I love that. Jesus, the joy bringer. The joy that we see in the happiest child is but a fraction of the joy that is in the heart of God and wants to give that as a gift to you. Chris Wyman wrote a book on joy, and he talks about joy as the durable, inexhaustible, essential, inadequate word. I had to read that five times, so let me say it again for you. The durable, inexhaustible, essential, inadequate word. It's hard to explain joy, but when you got it, when you know it, when you're experiencing it, you know it on the inside. I can remember a few days after uh, Abigail was born, Abby, do you all know her as? Um, After our first child was born, Clark, his job took him to Argentina. He had to travel a lot to South America, so she was only a few days old when he had to go. But I vividly remember he looked at her and he looked at me and he said, I can't explain it, but I feel something in this moment like I've never experienced before, this deep satisfaction. It is the assurance of love. It happens sometimes with a newborn child, but it happens so many times. For me, when I see you all coming down for communion and I get to be a part of sharing the body of Christ with you, that is a moment of intense joy. When I visit you in the hospital or rehab and I have the privilege of praying with you, that is a moment of intense joy healing and joy. It is love incarnate. It is joy. It is more than a feeling. It is an assurance of love. True, joy can come alongside those happy, merry moments, but they can also come in those serious and heartbreaking moments as well, those difficult times. They're a little harder, but joy is there even in the midst of those moments. Joy is a gift of God. It is one of the fruits of the Spirit. You all probably remember those. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you remember. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit, and it is a gift for us. It's hard to characterize, and it's nearly inexplicable. But our text today gives us some clues or some things, some principles that we might look at in response to thinking about joy. So joy happens when, I'll go ahead and step out of the sides. So joy happens when generations come together. That's the first clue, I would say. I mean, joy can happen at any time among any people, but when generations uh, cross the barriers of, you know, we kind of hang out with people who are kind of our age a lot. And so when, in this story, Mary and Elizabeth have this unique friendship besides being cousins. So God gives these two women something that they needed and lacked. And that was community and connection. 
God removes the isolation they were both feeling in that encounter. I mean, think how isolated Elizabeth must have been feeling for the previous six months. She's a mature woman, she's pregnant, and her husband has been made mute because he doubted what the angel Gabriel had said, that they would have a child. So he doesn't even get to speak to her. So she's pretty isolated, right? Mary, this young teenage gal who finds herself pregnant, she is, well, she doesn't go to her mother for encouragement. She doesn't go to Joseph. She doesn't go to another teenage girlfriend. No, she goes to the one whom she thinks will actually have a clue of what she's experiencing. She goes to her cousin, Elizabeth. And these two find joy in that experience, but they find not only encouragement, I think that they realize together in that encounter, in the threshold of, Mary, of Elizabeth's house, they find that they are part of something much bigger than their two individual destinies, that they are part of bringing light and love into this world. They have an important role to play. Do you ever have those real and deep, authentic relationships with people who are much older than you or much younger than you? They're hard to do, right? We have to work at it because we do tend to hang out with our peers. So when was the last time, say, at work that you asked a coworker, a younger coworker, so I'm just going to say, if you're like in your middle age or even a little older, when was the last time you asked a younger coworker? I wasn't looking at you, just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, can you explain this to me? Like with a computer thing or maybe, or, you know, something else. Maybe when was the last time you asked a young adult in the church, what do you think the church's most important goal is right now in the life of this community? When have we asked young adults that question? Or when have we just asked anyone, what do you think about this significant thing? I want you to explain it from your perspective. I don't know that we do that intentionally very often. And so I have an example of that. I have a friend who identifies as queer, pansexual, non-binary, and likes the pronouns they and them. Okay, I'm just going to pause there because I had to like do a little research and figure that out. And I finally went to this person and said, I don't understand. I need, I would like very much if you would help me understand what that means for you. And so we had an awesome dialogue and I've got a lot to learn, but I'm so grateful to have asked and to be given a straight answer. So I called this person yesterday and said, can I share your story a bit? And they said yes. The story that I want to share is how, why it was so significant, uh, this one. She said, recently I was at the fair in another state, and there was a grandmother and her granddaughter in front of me, and they were stalled and, and holding up the line, and she said, oh, honey, let's step by and let this woman go ahead. And then the grandmother said, you know, I don't know what she wants to be called. Honey, let's step aside and let this person go ahead. To this friend of mine, that pause, that intentional 
wondering about what the other wanted to be referred to as meant the world to her. It was joy incarnate for her. Last night on the phone, we were crying, talking about how significant that story was to her. It's a simple thing. And yet we don't take that time to ask very often across generations as well. That pause, that language change, that deepened our friendship, I'm sure. So there's another aspect of joy that this story holds for us, and that is simply that joy comes in the most ordinary moments. It comes in the everyday. It comes in the here and now, not in the way out there or in the future. Joy happens right here in the here and now. It can come in those extraordinary moments, but it often comes in just the simple waking up in the morning and have a cup of coffee with a friend. It happens in those everyday intimate moments of life when someone looks at you and says, by their look alone, I love you just the way you are. So it comes in those ordinary moments like it did for Mary and Elizabeth and like it did for Charlotte and Mary. Brene Brown writes this about joy. Twinkle lights are the perfect metaphor for joy. Joy is not a constant. It comes to us in moments, often ordinary moments. Sometimes we miss out on bursts of joy because we're too busy chasing down extraordinary moments. And other times we are so afraid of the dark that we don't dare let ourselves enjoy the light. A joyful life is not a floodlight of joy. That would eventually become unbearable. But I believe a joyful life is made up in joyful moments, gracefully strung together with trust and gratitude and inspiration and faith. Joy is a gift. It is a gift of God's spirit. It is found in the ordinariness of life, not in the distant future, but in the here and now, perhaps by someone who's sitting on that pew, that row next to you. So I hope that as you raise a glass of eggnog with family and friends this week, you might experience a moment of joy. I pray as we raise the candles on Christmas Eve and you sing Silent Night and Joy to the World, I pray you will experience real, authentic joy. Is there something in your life that is getting in the way of you experiencing it? Is there something that you can kind of let go of so that you are open to receiving that gift. Recently, I had a friend say, you know, I keep myself so busy so I don't have to stop and be in the presence of myself, the presence of God. Are you keeping yourself so busy that you're missing out on the joy that is right in front of you? And of course, that final source of joy comes from this season, right? This passage brings it up even more so, the unchanging truth that God is with us. It comes directly from that last word of Elizabeth's speech to Mary. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he had made to her. Matt Rawls, in that book that many of us have been reading this Advent season, Almost Christmas, he defines joy as the steadfast assurance that God is with us. Joy, 
the steadfast assurance that God is with us. So think about that phrase for a moment. God is with us. God is not out there apart from us. God is not over us. God is not against us. God is with us. God is for us. And God loves us, loves you. Each December, during the longest days of the year, during the deepest, darkest nights, we get this annual reminder of Jesus' birth, that I am coming into the world to be with you. I am the light of the world. I am indwelling in your community, and God's Spirit is with us now. That is the unchangeable truth, that even though our circumstances will change, God's presence is always with us. Now, if you have been coming to church all your life, and always during Advent, you notice that we have one pink candle. We usually light that pink candle on the third week. That's the joy candle. But this year, we intentionally are highlighting joy on the fourth week. And that's because that book we've been reading Matt Rawls, who wrote this last chapter on joy, says this. Joy is the culmination of the Advent celebration because joy is a gift. Hope is a future destination for which we dream and work. Peace is a daily discipline to put down the sword in whatever forms they are known as. Love requires a selflessness in order to be shared Joy, joy is different from all the other candles that we light because during this season, because joy cannot be achieved, joy is a gift. Receiving joy often means that we have to get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit move in our lives. Our text today reminds us of two marginalized pregnant women who come to carry the future and bearing the proclamation of the Messiah. May we, ordinary humans, carry with us and give voice to that same joy as we move into Christmas this week, allowing Christ to work through the various generations, allowing Christ to work in the intimate, ordinary moments of our daily lives, and hearing Jesus say, with clarity and truth, I am with you, and I have loved you always. Let's pray. Oh, Holy One, we thank you that you are indeed here with us right now. Sometimes that good news is too much to bear. Help us to stop putting up barriers to the gifts of your grace. Help us receive your gift of joy and love and help us to freely, so freely share it with others. This we pray in your name. Amen.